Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. Um, Again, my name is Keller. I will be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Um, It's on page 4 of your worship guide and on the screen behind me. Um, So let's read. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God is for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time to come together, to hear from your word. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bless Dan as he preaches this morning, that you would speak through him, um, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would teach us about yourself, um, and that we would come away with a greater understanding of your love and commandments and your relationship with us. Um, Lord, I just pray that as we learn about your commandments, that we would not be um, just overwhelmed by our imperfections, but overwhelmed by your perfection and how you have rescued us through your son. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Keller.
This past weekend, uh, Michelle's family, uh, my wife Michelle's family, had the privilege of helping her youngest sister move into her dorm room for her first year of college. And uh, with that big life update, uh, we were able to share in her excitement and even share the memorable and quirky aspects of our time in college as well, since we were going to the same school. We would spend time talking about the unicyclist and how he would struggle to climb up this one hill to the student union, and we would just see him pedaling for his life, but moving inches per minute. We would talk about uh, where to go for the best diner food and where you can get the best deal and get the best bang for your buck with your limited resources of dining points. And of course, we would talk about the all-out Nerf Wars, where people were literally sprinting for their lives all across campus, playing with Nerf guns. Very quirky things happening in college, indeed. See, these big transitions, uh, as I was reflecting myself, uh, they were often the most exciting because finally, uh, especially after moving into my college dorm room for the first time, I thought, wow, I finally made it. Now I could start living my life and having the best experience that life has to offer. I've arrived. That wasn't the first time that thought came to my head. Actually, when I moved from middle school to high school, I, I thought the same thing. Finally, in high school, I'm an adult now. Uh, and I thought, man, I'm gonna really live life. And the funnier thing is, even when I got to college as well, it didn't even last a month before I realized, man, I can't wait till I'm an upperclassman. Or, man, I can't wait till I graduate then then I will finally arrive and have this freedom as an adult. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, even as many of you may know already, even after graduating, even after big life event after big life event, uh, that thought, next time I'll make it, that thought never leaves. Quite frankly, in some ways, you feel like you're always in a waiting period. Wait till you reach this next milestone, and then life will be good. And then you will be able to self-actualize. Maybe you felt that way before, or maybe you're feeling that way now. Whether it is your careers, maybe it is with your own relationships, or maybe even when it comes to questions of faith and how we live as Christians, you guys are wondering, hmm, I'll just wait until I'm older to start taking this seriously. Ooh, right now I'm pretty busy because of school and how it's overwhelming, or I just have these big projects at work. I'll just wait until life has settled down and I reach that next milestone. While we might be tempted to feel that way, as we look into the book of Deuteronomy, and as we see how God's covenant, his relationship with humanity, um, affects not just different people and cultures, but even different generations of people so that we do not get lost in that perpetual waiting period that we are so often tempted to buy into. Instead, we can move forward in faith and pass that faith on into the next generation. That is what we'll be looking at today, and I'll look at it through three points. Generational scope, comprehensive scope, 
and eternal scope. As we look at how faith affects multiple generations, we look at it through the generational scope, the comprehensive scope, and the eternal scope. As we enter into Deuteronomy, it is important to know a little bit of the backstory of what happened to God's people. You see, in chapter 6, Moses is reminding the people uh, of what happens um, when you do not obey. He is reminding them of the contours of God's commands. I emphasize the word reminding because it is not a new teaching. As we saw last week in the book of Exodus, uh, it is the same word of God given to Moses so that Moses can take it to the people, except this time, this takes place 40 years later. You see, as they were first about to enter into the promised land, uh, the people of God doubted. Doubted to the point of saying, we will not enter in and we will not trust in the Lord. And so because of that, the people of Israel, God's people, had to wait one generation before they could finally enter in. You see, the children are now adults, and so Moses is teaching them before they could finally enter in. See, their time to live life as God's people, that time to actually live, that began now for them. And so Moses began to teach, and he gave this command uh, here. Hear, O Israel, as he says in verse 4, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You see, as Moses enters in to summarize God's law, as he tries to help frame up what God commands of his people, we get one of the most influential prayers in Jewish history, the Shema, the command to hear. See, this call to hear is Moses urging the people of God, the new generation, to not repeat the same mistakes of their parents. Instead of disobeying in fear and doubt, hear and know the God who initiated this covenant relationship with them. But notice, as he gives this command to hear, keep in mind the scope that Moses was uh, coming from. You see, uh, as it says in verse 2, that you and your sons and your sons' sons, that you and the next generation and the generation moving forward can all keep his statutes and his commandments. See, this call to hear, this call to trust and obey in faith, it is meant to be a command that is passed down from generation to generation, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey, as Moses says in verse 3. See, Moses is getting at this command to hear and obey. Uh, in the midst of this, children are not just an afterthought. See, they are not just spectators expected to sit on the sidelines until they're older and figure things out for themselves. See, the Christian life across generations, it is not a spectator sports for the children. Instead, we, together as a whole church community, are called to practice a life of faithfulness and teach it to our children as well so that they may not be spectators in a sport but active participants. 
That is why at Mosaic we love uh, and welcome the amens and the hallelujahs from our youngest members in our midst. It is a joy to know that the children, uh, those who are uh, barely able to walk and talk, they are practicing the weekly gathering and worship, worshiping together as a family. And so whether they are your kids or not, may you too smile with joy as they participate in our service the best that they can. May we celebrate and welcome even the youngest in our congregation. I do also want to make one more point as well. You know, at Mosaic, we do value parents as a primary spiritual leader of their children. And that is why we worship together as a family. But you see, this command to hear and to teach our children is not just for parents, and it is not just for their physical children. We may, at all stages of life, whether we're single, newly married, or even empty nesters, we, at all stages of life, are called to care for our covenant children, uh, the children in our midst, so that they all may grow in faithfulness and faith in God. You see, as a church family, it is not just the nuclear family that we have that we're called to care for, but we are also called to care for one another. So isn't it a joy that we could have a youth event this coming week so that we can share in the load of caring for those across all spectrums of life within our congregation. More than that, it is a call and a command for the church to help all of its members mature from spiritual infancy to adulthood. We are all children of our Heavenly Father. And as we seek to care for one another as spiritual mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, that means that you're never too young or too old to pray for one another. That means your life stage should not stop you from encouraging or challenging one another. Whether you're single or married, you have a right to encourage and challenge one another because ultimately we are all collectively sharing God's truth. It is God's truth that is being taught. And that is what leads us all to maturity, whether we're 18 or 38 or older or younger. We are all called to share this truth to one another. And we are all calling out to the same God together in prayer. It is, in fact, the same God who works across all generations as much as he works across all cultures. So church, together, can we look after one another so that we can grow from spiritual infancy to adulthood? As we look at the generational scope, as we are called to care for one another regardless of our age or our life stage, uh, we are also called to look at it comprehensively, the comprehensive scope. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a time when <clears throat> I worked at Starbucks. There was a company-based health inspector uh, known as Quaza, Quality and Safety Assurance. 
See, for them, more than just instilling dread into the co-workers as they come in with their royal blue polos, you see, they actually took the time to thoroughly inspect every aspect of the store. Because, you know, while there might be a coffee spill in the lobby, you can quickly mop that up, but you can't easily hide the fact that the coffee urns haven't been cleaned in a month or that your refrigerators are a bit too warm and are actually broken and you're serving pre-warmed milk. Quaza works to make sure that beneath the pretty exterior of the store, everything underneath is in order. It is a comprehensive assessment of the store and its workers. And in a similar way, as Quaza works to do a comprehensive assessment, Moses, in verses 5 through 9, gives us a comprehensive uh, scope of what faithfulness means to God in summary fashion. You see, the, what Jesus calls part of the greatest commandment in verse 5, you shall love the Lord, with, uh, Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and with all your might. Moses is calling them to first look inward to your heart and soul so that your thoughts, your attitudes, your inner desires can fall in line with what God desires. That is how you love God with your heart and your soul. Loving God with all your might looks outward, looks at all of your resources, your physical strength, the tools you have at home, your economic and social standing, uh, the list can go on and on. All of these outward things that we may have can be used in ways that honors God. So, faithfulness, keeping God's commandments, is not just polis polishing the exterior image of yourself by following a list of rules, but instead it is orienting your entire being to live according to the way God calls you to live. Reassessing and examining the way that you think, uh, the, the mechanisms you have, defense mechanisms you have uh, as you try to cope with situation after situation, all of these things are meant to be oriented around the way that God calls us to live. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and might. But there's another sense uh, where Moses gives us a comprehensive scope of passing on the truth to the next generation. It involves all the circumstances of our life. Look at what Moses says in verse 7 through 9. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. When are you supposed to teach your children, you might ask? Moses says, when you sit in the house, when you walk along the road to get lunch or dinner, when you go to sleep, when you wake up, as you're entering and exiting your home, these are all opportunities to teach the truth of God, whether it is asking questions about life or even assessing our character. Teaching involves more than just an at-home worship session. It involves more than just an official community group study time. Teaching can happen when we listen to music. 
Teaching can happen when we assess how we treat strangers when we're at the supermarket. Teaching can happen with how much we work or play or rest. Every aspect of our lives, whether the official times, whether the unofficial times, whether the extravagant moments or whether the most mundane moments of your life, all of these aspects of our lives should be shaped by the truth of who God is so that we may grow and grow to be more like our older brother, Jesus. This is important because of what's at stake. Remember, Moses' generation, the first generation of God's people who left Egypt, minus a few, they lost access to the promised land because they did not trust and keep his commandments. That's why Moses gives a warning in verses 10 through 15. You see, the covenant The relationship between God and Israel, that did not end as soon as they entered the promised land. God is not just some mystical tour guide by uh, by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them to their final destination and say, good luck. No, the covenant relationship with God is one that continues from generation to generation to generation. And so each subsequent generation, each following child and grandchild and great-grandchild, we all have responsibilities for us to grow in our own faithfulness as well. Moses gives us this warning. Then take care, and starting from verse 12, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. When you look throughout God's redemptive history, you not only see the first generation of God's people make mistakes and fail, but it happens again and again in Judges and later in the book of Kings and Chronicles. These people were not grandfathered in because of the great faith of their forefathers, but because of their own faithlessness and doubt and mistrust and idolatry, turning away from God and turning to others, they were judged, and they reaped the consequences. Yet still, there was a faithful few. There were those who remained faithful, and the covenant between God and Israel was never fully broken. It continued on up until the generation where there was one perfect human, where God, in one generation, came down, took on humanity, and was born as a child. He, as both God and man, he was the one who knew and who heard the voice of his heavenly father and kept his statutes and commandments. He is the one who kept these commands perfectly. See, this perfect child, Jesus, despite his perfect obedience, he was actually the one who faced God's anger, as Moses warned in verse 15. He was the one crushed crucified on the cross. His death 
was done willingly in obedience so that by faith we as God's people who turn to him in faith that we can multiply and flourish and receive the blessings that we did not earn. By faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, we have hope of an even greater promise that is adoption into the family of God. So then, church, as children, we receive uh, rooms in God's kingdom. We receive a a feast off of the food that we did not plant. We have an inheritance that is eternal because of the perfect obedience of our older brother, Jesus. Yet, the greatest treasure we receive from, uh, by faith, uh, it is not just a nice room to live in that we did not build. It is not just good food that we get to eat even though we didn't plant it. The greatest treasure we have is a restored relationship with our Heavenly Father who lavishes these things upon us, who gives us love and forgiveness, who pours out grace upon grace that will never run dry because Jesus, as he died on the cross, he paid for the price of our sin in full. And he could say, it is finished. So now, when God calls us to continue to obey, it isn't because he is a short-tempered, petty person who demands respect. No, it is because in doing so, he is restoring us, he is restoring our relationship with him so that we can be truly human. We can truly be who God has made us to be. God is truly at work to bring all these things into a reality so that not only we are made new, not only we are perfected and without sin, we can now live in a family that is in perfect peace and harmony. Church, isn't that a God worth listening to? Isn't that a God worth reorienting our entire lives around? Let us, church, turn to this gracious God and teach the generations to come of our Heavenly Father who gave up so much so that we can be called His children. Let's pray. God, Lord, we thank You that it was not our hands that built or earned our salvation. It is all your grace. We thank you because on our own merit, we could never fully obey. We could never fully listen. And we would never perfectly teach the next generation to come. Yet, Lord, we thank you that you, our Heavenly Father, in love, cares for us, pursues us, woos us back to you, and matures us so that we may grow from spiritual infancy to maturity. God, give us uh, a vision of hope, of when you make all things new, so that we may have hope to live faithfully in the days to come, that we may encourage one another, that we may encourage the generations that follow us to do the same as well. It is in your name we pray. Amen.